Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and before we get to our episode today, we want to hear how we can make Fifth Draw better for you. Do you have a topic you'd like us to cover, or a guest you'd like us to get on? Please let us know. Now, enjoy the episode. And our guest today is Joe. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, super exciting. Like This is a great show, and I love it, and I get on it, so I'm super happy. <laughs> I am really just excited that you agreed to do this um, because to peel back the curtain, uh, we tried already and technology rebelled. So we're doing it again and we're doing it right and we're doing it better. To keep it in theme, it must have been the work of an enemy stand user, uh, which is always the excuse for everything. I'm totally willing to believe that some evil force conspired. That's that's perfectly fine. Definitely. So, Joe, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, we are going to be covering some of the parts of Jojo Naikimiano Boken or Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh boy, I am I have seen I'm really excited to dive into this. I have seen um this is like people commenting on it and like some reviews of it and everything, but I've never actually seen the material itself. So, uh this should be a trip. Whenever I introduce this as a thing because it's so hard to kind of encapsulate into a What's the I guess elevator pitch. Like you can't elevate a pitch, JoJo's. Otherwise, you just say it's posing manly men, and then things occur. And that doesn't describe anything to anyone. So it's going to be fun to try and unpick this whole mess of just yeah. We can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to dive in. Um, so I guess befitting of a. A thing that's as crazy as it is. Um, we're not starting with number one. Of course not. We're starting with volume two. Yep. Uh, the part one. There's only one thing to be said for it. Um, this Dio guy is a dick, uh, and then he stole someone's body, and that'll give us the primer for going forward. <laughs> awesome. So we got a bad guy who's a body thief, and what happens in volume two of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Cool. Uh, so. We get initially introduced through the lens of Ario Speedwagon to these stone masks uh, from some kind of Aztec temple that are used to make vampires. Don't question it. Um, and uh, I'm going to be hearing that a lot this this uh, this today, aren't I? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Um, <laughs> also revealed amongst these stone masks is a man in a pillar who apparently has been there for thousands of years, but he's still alive. Like, he still has amino acids and cells and stuff like that. And they do all these tests because um, Ario Speedwagon has, like, a whole uh, corporation behind him to do science things with Nazis. Um, yeah, it's kind of a thing. Uh, and that's how we get introduced to the Pillar Men, who are Aztec vampires who are coming back to... Um, to finish the work they started all those thousands of years ago by attaining uh, perfection, the perfect form, the perfect life form. Okay, okay. Um, that's not a bad pitch as far as villains go. I mean, I've definitely heard worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll hear so... worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I am certain I will. <laughs> Things that will probably make me lose my mind again. Shannon. <laughs> um, so, 
we have our we have our bad guys with their with their 80s metal band names mm-hmm. yeah it's fine it's uh the group of santana wamu acdc and cars who is the big bad okay so more rock than metal i guess yeah yeah uh, that's the thing about JoJo's. There are a lot of music references in it. Like I've already said, Ario Speedwagon. Um, eventually, all the superpowers are just named after bands because uh, Hirohiko Raki, the author, just really likes Western music. All right. I mean, look, there's there's worse reasons to name a thing. Hmm. Um, so we have our villains. Who are our heroes? So our heroes uh, mostly are just kind of contained with uh, our big protagonist, which is the second member of the Joestar bloodline, uh, Joseph Joestar. Uh, and he is a in-training user of a force called Harmon. Uh, and he is being taught this through the help of Caesar Zeppeli and a great Hamon master, Lisa Lisa. So Harmon is a form of breathing that causes your blood to ripple, which allows you to generate the power of the sun. And it's very useful. Oh. It can do multiple things. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Joe, it's too early for me to already have my <laughs> have a facepalm moment. It's fine. Hamon gets thrown the window after this part. So <laughs> I guess they didn't really want to spend much time like working on a reason that it existed. <laughs> All you need to know is you punch with the power of the sun, you're really good at killing vampires. That's it. <laughs> All right. Simple, to the point. I like it. Um, so what goes on here, kind of quickly? What what happens in this whole volume? Yeah. Uh, so the kind of catalyst for it all is the ancient Aztec, like the Cars squad, are looking for the Redstone of Asia, which is a... Uh, anime MacGuffin, which is we put it in this mask and then we turn into the perfect life form. Lisa Lisa, the Hamon master, has it. Uh, so they're trying to get it off her. Um, and that's really kind of the story. Uh, like, Joseph goes through training, as with any good shonen manga. Uh, there's a lovely training sequence. Uh, and then through the work of ACDC, uh, infiltrating under the guise of the uh, of Lisa Lisa's kind of attendant slash maid uh, using the power of uh, his ability to manipulate his entire nervous system to basically latch his brain onto this girl after he's defeated by Joseph. Okay, that's real creepy, and I kind of like it's it. real good. So, like, it's real good. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he sends it off to Switzerland to an abandoned hotel uh, where apparently... As yeah, you do. Well, Cars and Whammo are hiding out there because it's abandoned and dark and creepy and sinister. Um, so we have... So we all go to uh, Switzerland and we meet up with the Nazis. Okay. Nazis now too, huh, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. Um... They were the ones who initially uncovered Cars, uh, Wham, and ACDC, and they released Santana. So it's all that kind of old... It's like... It's it's a theme that, like, 
the Nazis were looking to uh, supernatural sources in order to aid them to win the war, so they basically grabbed ancient Aztec vampires, and now that they've released this terror onto the world, they're like, we have to cut that down, so the Nazis align with our heroes? One of them is Italian, so it does kind of make big sense. Weird. But, yeah. Yeah. N Nazis are pseudo-good guys? Um... <laughs> Uh, don't like that. <laughs> no, oh, that feels real bad. It's not. That feels good. real bad, Joe. <laughs> it's fine. They all die. It feels end. real bad. <laughs> okay, that feels better. Yeah, that's that's the appropriate end for a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. Really, they're they're kind of just there so one character can exist, which is Rudolf von Stroheim, um, and he helps, I guess. Uh, but really, they're just there to be fodder for. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Helps in giant quotation marks. Helps in heavy air quotes. Yeah, and really the Nazis just there to be cannon fodder for, like, to show us how powerful the uh, Aztec vampires are. <laughs> so we have a fight between uh, Caesar and Wamu because they uh, he decides that now that it's day, we can totally just run in there and kill these vampires because they're weakest at night. Joseph and Lisa. Lisa think that... I mean, look, that's good logic, but... Yeah. Joseph and Lisa Luther thinks that, no, this is definitely a trap, so we're going to wait till night time, where they're at the strongest. I mean, they would never see it coming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, after a brief and emotional battle, um, Caesar basically just dies. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I really, really, like... There are some amazing characters near, and I really kind of trying to cram the plot in, but um, I, I want to pick out Wamu because he is one of the coolest uh, bad guys. He is essentially like, he himself is not inherently evil, but he is kind of like, he's like a samurai, I guess. His retainer is Kars, so he'll do whatever Kars wants, but Wamu himself is always like admired warriors and stuff like that, and if you give him a good fight, like he respects you and like he himself is not inherently evil he just wants to test his fighting ability against the best fighters uh which is shown when uh when caesar dies he releases all of his hamon energy into a single bubble um that eventually gets to joseph so he like shonen hero powers up uh and wamu sees this and is like huh if he gets a hold of that he's gonna become more powerful maybe a threat i'm gonna let him have it because then hmm. maybe he'll give me a true battle. So I just really like Wamu for that. Like he's not evil. Kars is really the only evil one in this. Okay, I mean, look, honorable warriors. I'm down with. I'm down with that. It tends to be the very means by which they usually die. But mm -hmm. you know, why? Well, it's a good character trait. It's not awful. Yeah. Um. So now that the Redstone of Asia has been sent to this hotel, Kars has his prize. He has the mask, and he has his prize. So, he could, in theory, just become the ultimate life form right away. But Joseph is kind of a... He's a really, really cool character, and like, the way he fights is all about like misdirection and trickery and kind of knowing what... like Knowing his opponent's weaknesses are, mentally rather than physically. He's kind of like fighty Sherlock Holmes in the uh, Guy Ritchie movie. So he he really kind of plays to, okay. That's yeah, that's cool. But again, eh, you 
usually ends up with someone getting real mm-hmm. beat real hard. Yeah, maybe maybe just a little. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically, he plays uh, his pro- uh, Kaz's pride against him and says, like, okay, well, now you have to fight us for the ownership of that thing you have. And so Kaz is just like, yes, I agree completely. Which is a real dumb villain move. <laughs> Yeah, you never agree to anything when you have the MacGuffin. You use it and then kill them. Mm-hmm. So it's agreed that... Joe, mm-hmm. be honest. How angry am I going to get at the villains through this thing? <sighs> There's a scale. Um, okay. Some of them are real good. Uh, some of them are the worst. We're not talking about part five, so we're not talking about the worst villain plan ever. Okay. I mean, you're you're sparing me that, and I do appreciate it. Oh, no, I I really wanted to, but the audience wanted us to talk about part three, so... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you can thank them. I mean, look, sometimes we have to bow to the whims of the audience, and uh, it'll probably be some good content, so... (laughs) So, yeah... uh, it's agreed that Lisa Lisa will fight Cars after uh, Joseph fights Wamu in a chariot race. Because in the Swiss Alps, there is a ruined Colosseum nearby. That seems appropriate. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, Swiss Colosseum. Sure. Yeah, why not? Why not? I guess. So yeah. they, they hop up on their giant chariots with their vampire horses. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Vampire horses, Joe. Yep. Come on, man. Horses that are vampires. Um, I'm giving it a pass. I'm giving it a pass. (laughs) But thin ice, this show. Thin ice. Oh no. All I'll say is I'll be really, really damp by the time this is over. (laughs) If I'm on thin ice now. Listen, I remember where part of this conversation goes from the last time we attempted this. So um, I know how far down in the cold, icy waters of death we're going to wind up mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, then we have. A- All right, so they're they're in the crazy coliseum. Mm-hmm. I assume a big fight breaks out. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the place for it. It's it's set as like a race, but after the first two laps, they're both off of uh, their chariots because they're all destroyed. Very. Uh, by various means um and what we basically get down to is joseph and wamu are both so injured by the fight that the end stage of the fight is wamu is sat against a wall and joseph is just like lying there and then the fight finishes from there so wamu has the ability to all the pillarmen have the ability to control their body uh wamu has kind of like a specialization in wind so he pipes uh, wind through his body so fast that he creates a thin stream of wind that can like cut through rock and is just slowly inching towards uh, Joseph's head because earlier in the battle he plucked his eye, uh, Wamu plucked his own eyes out to like get in the zone. Uh, like you do, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you do, you do, you man. <laughs> Whatever it takes for you to get picked for the big game. <laughs> I, I also do love that they like pseudoscience it by saying like, all athletes have a emotional trigger that they can switch on to get through like hardship and 
physical pain. Wamus is just taking his own eyes out. So he's he does this a lot. Is is the Apparently. is the assumption here? I don't I don't that <laughs> that's some that's some squick right there. That I'm not sure I like. <sighs> uh, so we're in this position. All right, jo- so. Joseph's about to die due to wind laser, uh, and he like shreds up a scarf and throws it at Wham, then like throws oil at him, and he's just like. Cool. So now that you've absorbed all this oil in my scarf, I'm just gonna light a match, and then Wamu can't stop like absorbing wind so fast that just fire goes in and he explodes. That's a pretty cool way pretty to kill much, a bad guy. Yeah. That's, a, that's a solid way to kill a bad yeah. guy. Yeah. So so Wamu's head is all that is left. So of course he has time for a dying monologue. Um. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just not yeah. respectful otherwise, right? Yeah. Um. And Wamu just kind of again like expounds the uh, traits of his that I was saying about earlier, and realizes that Joseph is um, basically kind of on the level with him. Like he, like Joseph, like cuts his own wrist so that Wamu can pass, um, like painlessly. Uh, and then Cars gives the order, and Joseph is mobbed by a legion of vampire army, and then Wam just like kicks his own head up with no means of, like, propulsion, and just starts killing vampires because they betrayed their honorable duel. Okay, see, I, I can I can dig a villain who holds on to his code even when he's dead? Uh, sure. <laughs> dead, in air quotes again. Alright, so, so the floating head wind laser is just mowing mm-hmm. bad guys down. Yep. All right. So what's Joseph uh, doing? Joseph is basically like helping to fight off the army, uh, but he's kind of sustained a lot of damage and his ability to uh, create the power of the sun is weakening. Uh, in the meantime, because of uh, Joseph winning, we have the Cars Lisa Lisa battle. So I was talking about how Cars is the only villain and that Wamu is like this kind of honorable character. Cars just, like, screws Lisa Lisa immediately. Uh, Cars can manipulate light, so he projects his image onto one of his, like, vampire thralls uh, so that Lisa Lisa attacks it, and then he just, like, shanks her because he can make bait blades out of his bones that he puts wind in. So it's like a chainsaw. Anime science. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna let it go (laughs) because it sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so, so Joseph breaks free and we have a little mini fight. Uh, and then the Nazis show up with their UV cannons <laughs> and then start mowing down the rest of the zombies. <laughs> all right, all right. Good. I assume this is also where most of them die, is in that fight? Uh, no, that comes up now. <laughs> so Kaz's Kars, army is defeated cars seemingly has been taken up by joseph after like a brief exchange of screwing around with magic rope tricks again i love joseph's fighting style it's all misdirection and like basically like fundamental magic tricks that he beats people up with uh so the uh the general of the nazis decide i'm going to be the one to kill cars everyone fire a giant uv light at him in which time, no one realizes that Cars has picked up the mask and the stone they've used oh so long ago, uh, and 
the UV light activates it, and he becomes the perfect being. Okay, so now we're in a bit of a pickle on how to deal with this guy, but at least, like all good villains should do, he did the thing. Yes, he accomplished his thing. Um, And hey, Carr's got everything he wanted out of this, even at the end. Like, he wanted to become the perfect life form, he wanted to live forever. And he does. Sort of. We just get to the poetic justice part. Uh, (laughs) So... Being the perfect life form in JoJo's gives you the best traits of every living creature on Earth. And you can switch between these traits whenever you choose. Like, you want wings? Sure, you've got wings. You want to summon a giant octopus that's your hand now? Sure. You want to shoot armadillo shells that then transform into piranhas? Yeah, why not? (laughs) I mean... I mean, look, let's not get crazy with this. You did say the best, so... Those those armored plague rats have no business being mentioned among the best anything. Unless we're talking about the best armored plague rats and or the best mobile speed bumps. Then yeah, they qualify. They but... Okay, so, perfect being, super crazy... Villain fight. Is it a villain fight? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. The climax okay. the climax of JoJo's part two is Joseph saying, Well, we're all gonna die now. And Kaz is really mad at me. So I'm gonna sacrifice myself by like leading him away so that maybe people can escape and live a normal life underground and we have an underground society and everything's fine with Kaz just living it up. Uh, so he basically grabs a plane and flies away. Okay, so okay, we're we're kind of towing the line here on the heroic sacrifice. I can dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Cars follows obviously because he has been so offended by uh, by Joseph that he has to kill him. So then we get the uh, the second part of Joseph's plan, which is to ram him into a volcano. I mean, look, as far as plans go, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. So Kamikaze's plane plan. into a volcano, <laughs> which starts triggering an eruption. Uh, Kaz falls into the lava, being like, no, I was supposed to live forever. And then he comes out of the ground. <laughs> After creating several layers of crab shell with air between them, so that he's totally rad and fine. Because that's a feature of multiple crabs stacked on top of each other. I mean, look... I'll buy that if I'm buying the bone chainsaw. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yep. So there's this big explosion as the volcano erupts, sending Joseph and cars basically hanging out on a rock, flying uh, towards the atmosphere. Um, cars is rightfully just like, cool, I'm going to have wings and just fly away. And earlier in the battle, he cut Joseph's hand off, which then flies up and impales him in the neck. Okay. Okay. If you're a villain, you gotta hit the you gotta hit the good guy if you get a chance. That's just part of the deal. Yeah, and then be impaled by that hand. Uh, and and the part I love that kind of encapsulates Joseph's entire character is uh, Cars asks him if this was his plan or you know erupt and crash uh, crash through his neck. And Joseph's just like, I really didn't plan for any of this to happen. But if I say that I planned the whole thing, it's really gonna piss him off. So yes, I planned the entire thing. Uh, and in that distraction, 
cars is hit with more and more rocks, and he flies into space. Any any opportunity to just just twist that knife in the villain's back? Oh, yeah. That's exactly. real good, real good thinking. I can I can get behind this crazy magician with his <laughs> wave blood. That's fine. So Carl so starts slowly freezing um, as he has the best benefits of all things uh, on Earth. So he freezes in space, and he is just this chunk of ice, ice like rock, still thinking, still alive, just floating through space forever. You know, he's going to land on some other planet and make them have a real bad day. And I kind of I kind of want that story. Can can that be a side story that <laughs> yeah, comes up cuz that sounds real fun. Eventually he shows up as cell. <laughs> See, you know, you're laughing, but I was about to make a Dragon Ball joke and now it's just Yeah, we're two we're on the same wavelength here. So, victory and everyone's happy. And that leads us into Volume 3. Yeah, let's talk about Volume 3. <sighs> I can tell you're very excited. Yeah. Okay. Basic plot. Uh, so, this is the part of JoJo's where it kind of goes from um, kind of a not very structured story. There's a journey involved and there's training involved and it's all very shonen. Uh, and now it kind of goes into a kind of monster of the week um, type of deal. Like every every different chapter or every couple of chapters, our heroes will face some kind of enemy, uh, and the and that basically throws them off their journey. Um, you know, like a good monster of the week anime or story. Yeah, you got to have someone to punch. Exactly. You always have someone to punch. Which is basically the mantra of our hero in this uh, in this part, uh, Jotaro Kujo, who is the grandson of Joseph Joestar, who actually shows up in this. Nice. Okay. I like some good continuity. Yeah. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joseph in this is basically just a buff 69-year-old Indiana Jones, and it's super rad. <laughs> Listen, there's there's nothing wrong with what you just said. That's <laughs> fine. I'm still on board. Yeah. So who's his new brat child? Oh, God. Who's his Shia LaBeouf to Harrison Ford? <laughs> That's actually... I mean... <laughs> George Rokuto has one setting, which is constantly pissed off. Um, I think I really like about Joe. He's a teenager, then. Yeah. He's a 19-year-old, 200 centimeters tall man-baby. <laughs> okay, so we've got us a Jin Yuan grade A shitty team. <laughs> yep. I love it. This is, Sorry, there's, he's, he's, there's a he's brand I know that 19. uses this exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> what brand is that? <laughs> I have no idea. What, what could it possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is what what adventure does this shitty team go on? Yeah, so Dio, who I mentioned in our quick recap of part one, has risen from uh, his sleep and has discovered the stand arrow uh, and is basically lying in wait in Cairo uh, so that he can rule the world. Okay, I mean, look, if you're going to rule the world, Cairo's as good a place as any. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could move around, but for some reason Dio just choose to, chooses to stay in Cairo so that he can be easily found. There's not a plot without it, right? I mean, <laughs> if he's just moving all over the world, then there's no journey. There's just kind of wandering aimlessly hoping you get lucky. So It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He uh, is a villain obeying the meta-narrative, yes. and I will never have a problem with that. <laughs> So Dio was hit by the stand arrow, which means he gains a stand. And I'll talk about stands in just a second. Uh, but that also means that all of the Joe stars now have stands. That's just a thing that happens. Uh, unfortunately, Holly, um, Jojo's mother, uh, Joseph's daughter, is struggling because her body is not strong enough because she's a weak and feeble housewife. Uh, she can't sustain the stand and is dying. So we need to go to Cairo, kill Dio, and then Holly's fine. That's, I mean, look, one, that feels like bad logic. And two, come on, Japan, don't do this to us. Look. Or maybe not Japan, just this, 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 this manga. Maybe don't do that to us, buddy. Okay, this she's, is one. Of, she's allowed to be a strong housewife, right? This is one of the few, actually, like genuinely terrible female characters in JoJo's. Um, <laughs> okay, she is, is this just the one, the one-off. Uh, Irina is uh, in part one, and she's just kind of meh. She's just her entire character is, I'm jo- I'm Jonathan's wife. Um, but no, there are good female characters. There are. We will talk about literally all of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, awesome. So, we all have to go to Cairo and beat this guy and save your mom. Mm-hmm. Okay, do I, I need to talk about stands now, don't I? Yeah, yeah, you do. This is going to be a real fun trip. So, stands are the manifestation of a person's fighting spirit. Uh, they are invisible, usually take the form of buff robots... Uh, they can only be hurt by the stands, and they have just dumb abilities. Most of them have just stupid logic-breaking abilities that make JoJo's the best. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. This sounds good. Yeah, so some of them are really cool. I'm, I'm buying in. I'm buying in mm-hmm. until further notice yep. on the stands. Yeah. So some of them have really cool and different unique abilities. Um, Jotaro has Star Platinum, which has the ability to punch things. That's its ability. I mean, look, that's a fine ability. That <laughs> seems good. Yeah. Some oh. things just need punching. <laughs> so yeah, really the crux of part three is we follow a shitty teen who is literally the worst. Um, globetrotting with his grandfather and pals okay okay this is look minus the shitty teen who's literally the worst this sounds like a grand adventure story yeah definitely some cool moments but there's not really i can't really talk about any like plot develop like character development or like the plot other than just we go to cairo and fight things along the way because there really isn't any (laughs) not like Nothing for these characters, apart from the ones that die, which are some of them, uh, nothing really changes to the characters. Like, 
Someone gets revenge really early on, so there's... and it doesn't affect their character at all. So there's no character arcs in this? There's one. A French guy wants revenge on the person who killed his sister, and he gets it within like the first few volumes, and remains exactly the same character. That's really disappointing. The only one that I could really pick out is um, a character called Avdol, who is presumed dead after he's shot with a magic bullet. Um, and then he goes off, and then he comes back a bit more jovial because he's learned to appreciate life. That's that's still not really an arc. That's just like you were <laughs> yeah. a line, then you just angled up and lined again. Yeah, it's more of a different plateau than it is a character arc. <laughs> these are these are character line segments, and I'm not okay with that. But it's fine though because there's cool fights. Um, I like look. I do not like the part three for the most part. There are great characters, well, great character ideas, but they just kind of don't grow. Um, Iggy the dog is the best character because there's a Boston Terrier with a okay. stand. That's literally the best <laughs> There you go, right? <laughs> so somehow Alan Sells has gone back in time <laughs> and shared Biscuit <laughs> with the creator of JoJo's and put and got Biscuit put into oh this manga. God. That's what I'm hearing. So, uh... So, I'm gonna call this dog Biscuit forever. That's that's what's uh, happening Shannon, now. please draw fan up. <laughs> Second dead. Okay, so... Uh, Monsters of the Week, Monsters of the Week, Monsters of the Week. You got a punchy, punchy angry boy and his buff, buff Indiana Jones dad. And they get to Cairo... And then... It's worth saying that not every fight in JoJo's is done by just punching. Because stands work really, really weirdly. For example, there is a entire like set of chapters where the characters play against the world's greatest gambler, whose stand ability is, if you lose to him, he steals your soul and it gets put into a little poker chip. So, literally the climax of the chapter is playing poker with a dude <laughs> and it's absolutely brilliant because there's like psychology brought into it and it's not just Jotaro punching things <laughs> I feel like by the time these kind of tricks with the stands come up people are probably tired of punchy boy punching everything yeah yeah I I really think that's it and there's a lot I can say about Jojo's is like the rest of the parts basically for months of the week but just so unique are the way stands work is it does to me like there are battles that are definitely just we the the way it works is all the battles feel like problem solving with the tools you have so someone might just be totally stronger than you like their stand ability is way too powerful and it's all about like finding the finding uh, advantages in the environment or just like little things you can create through personality and like psychology okay okay that's hmm. that's pretty cool i like i like that twist on the monster of the week week presentation um yep. so they get to cairo yes so all those great things i just expounded about like really good psychology and like thinking through things the end villain fight is who punches harder oh <sighs> Oh, you tried real hard. You tried real hard, Book. You tried real, real hard. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> All right, so 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 they get to Cairo. Uh, a, a lot of people die to a man named Vanilla, uh, Vanilla Ice, uh, which is weird. Um, <laughs> uh, so then Jojo no, fights no, Dio. No. Um, a lot of people die to Vanilla Ice. We're dealing with this one first. <laughs> what? Okay. Cool. Why? <laughs> oh, that. Okay, there's a guy who who is subservient to okay, Dio. Okay, so the, the henchman. Called Vanilla Ice. Nope, 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 nope. nope. Yep. Vanilla Ice sings about Ninja Turtles in New York and rips off Queen. <laughs> he doesn't murder people in Cairo. To my knowledge. But wait, are you ready for the worst part? Are you ready for the worst part? I don't think I am, Joe. His stand is called Cream. His name, his stand's name is Cream. Vanilla Ice Cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel so <laughs> attacked right now. <laughs> You should. You should. And it's so it's so bad that such terrible names are attached to the ability to remove things from time and space. Okay, see, that <laughs> sounds cool. Why is it called vanilla exactly. ice cream? That's not okay. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. <laughs> oh. The worst thing is he kills Biscuit, so it's like... How Even dare. worse. <laughs> there we go. Vanilla ice killed biscuit. <laughs> I will never ninja rap ever again. <laughs> I just want to know how like frequently you did it before. I mean, look, it's, it's a non-zero number of <laughs> weekly occurrences, and that's all we're going to say about it. <laughs> So there's a big bad! So, Dio Stand the World has the ability to stop time. Okay, good. Which is always, always fun. So you'd think a guy who just has the ability to punch, like, would die immediately? Especially as Dio is basically freezing time, throwing knives at the guy, monologuing for the last few seconds he can stop time, then resuming time. I mean... Look, it's never a good idea to monologue. That's just... That's just a bad play. But doing it when no one can react? Well, then there's no point. That's just... The whole point of the monologue is, Mwahaha, I'm better than you at everything. <laughs> this is just... Ugh. Look, if there's one thing that we know about buff vampire David Bowie, is that he does things for style. I mean, that's who Dio that's, is. That's true. Look, <laughs> D- David Bowie was the was the living embodiment of style, so I will believe <laughs> that. Kind of a lot of JoJo's has a lot of like style and fashion elements, and some very androgynous characters. A lot of a lot of like characters just wear things like, uh, basically like, uh. Costumes from Queen videos, David Bowie videos. Uh, like I say, dude likes his music. <laughs> I mean, look, that's Bowie's certainly not bad. 
but let's mm-hmm. dig in on you can dig in on that all you want. So I just was kind of hoping for a better villain fight out of a David Bowie and an angry punch boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the the big climax of it is uh, Dio has frozen time, and he says, "This is the last time I will freeze time." And then he drops a steamroller on Punch Boy's head. Okay, cool. So now the rest of the story logically will follow Dio because he's the best. This is exactly. And then it's revealed that Jotaro can stop time as well because his stand needed more power than punching. Uh, and then he punches Dio real hard in the leg, which makes Dio explode. I mean, that's cool, but why can he now punch time? Because that's pretty much what I'm going to believe happens, is he just punches time and it stops. <laughs> Punch time until it stops working. That's, um, I mean, that's the only logical conclusion I can come to, is that he just got really mad at time as a concept <laughs> and punched it into submission. I like it better than the pseudo-in-world science they do, which is uh, Star Platinum's punches are so fast and so uh, and so precise that it's like they stop time. So yes, literally, he punches time. Yeah, okay. he punched so time so hard it stopped working. I'm not. I'm not happy that my David Bowie is going down to this kid. It's not okay. It's fine because a character who looks basically like David Bowie is the next villain. Oh, <laughs> well, since we're going there. All right, tell me yeah. if we're if we're done with if we're done with the slog through three, and done mourning the <sighs> what, death of what Biscuit. else is there to say? It's not good, but it's JoJo's. So I, there we go. I feel like that's not a bad bar to set. So um, hmm. onward to four. Yeah, part four. Diamond is unbreakable. So this is all set in one small. Japanese town of Moriocho. That's where the entire plot takes place. There's no journey here. It's kind of a departure. It's still a Monster of the Week show, but it's almost also like a murder mystery. Okay, I can get behind that. So they're kind of switching things up. Um, It follows the story of Josuke Higashikata, who is the illegitimate son of Joseph Joestar. Because... In his old age, he's just like, I'm so buff, I can just, like, do whatever I want. Let's screw some random chick in Japan. Look, look, Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's fine. When you're Indiana Jones, buff, and a millionaire, you can do whatever you want. Apparently. That's the message I've been taught. So, so a big ol' whodunit. So, what's kind of our setup for this? Yeah. Uh, so, there's kind of three acts in... Uh, uh, in Diamond is Unbreakable. The first act is basically discussing the stand arrow, which is how people, one of the ways people can get stand. Um, it's not, it's never said in part three what um, what gives people stands. In part four, it's kind of a explanation of here is the thing that gives people stands. And it's basically a golden arrow, which apparently there are multiples of, uh, and you don't always have to be shot with an arrow to gain a stand okay so functionally what they're saying is i don't know <laughs> i don't know but we need a MacGuffin for this part to start <laughs> all right so kick it off yeah so 
the first part is mostly about understanding the stand arrow and someone has the stand arrow and is indiscriminately making stand users all through Moriocho. Um, okay. Good setup. Uh, then, Always a good recipe for disaster right there. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the uh, Nijimura brothers, and essentially his big plan is when Dio died, a few mortals had parts of his flesh inside of them, and when he died, they got weird and mutated. All right, so we got a Voldemort. <laughs> okay. So yeah, uh, he's making stands, not to like heal his father and like reset everything that's done. He's just like, I've tried everything. I just need someone to be able to kill him so that we can put him out of our minds. Uh, and he is thwarted by Josuke uh, uh, Koichi, who is uh, another character who I said part three doesn't have uh, character progression at all. This one, like a lot. <laughs> There's some really amazing like character progression through like just interaction with not only stands, but just people. Like the not the only driving force for story in part four are stand battles. There are personal things that go on. It's like it's a story. <laughs> All right, so we're we're slowing down. Okay, I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the other uh, the other Nijimura brother, Okiyasu, uh, starts off as like a villain because he's serving his brother's goals, and then once he dies, he's just like, cool, I guess I'm best friends with you now. Um, and he has probably one of the most powerful, powerful abilities in part four. Uh, he has the ability to scrape away space and time, and then close the spaces beside it together. So he can literally just swipe a human being and remove them. He can kill anyone. That's a, that's a good power. That's a real good power. The only downside is he's fucking dumb and does not understand how to use this power. So he uses it to scrape space, to remove space between him and his target, and then just punch them. <laughs> why, why, why is it always about the punching? Um, it's JoJo's man. A lot of punching. Oh. <laughs> oh. To, uh, to give you an example, uh, the way he's defeated when Josuke fights him is like he's scraping away space to punch Josuke so he flies back so he can scrape it uh, scrape it again to punch him again. But Josuke just angles himself so that behind him is a flower pot and then it just crashes him in the face and knocks him out. He loses to a flower pot. Wow. That's not good. Mm -hmm. That's not good at all. I don't... No. No. <laughs> but it's fine. He's a goofy comic relief character. Um, we also have the best self-insert character ever, uh, which is uh, Rohan Kishibe, who is the greatest manga artist of all time. <laughs> well, look, if you're going to self-insert, give yourself a promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hey, he also has like a really bonkers stand ability too. He can write down any course of action into someone's face, and then they are forced to follow it. That's real creepy and a little much, but it is. okay. When he's introduced, he starts off as a villain because he's basically... He also has the ability to read people's like 
histories, and he reads Koichi's and finds out about all these uh, ex- the, all these exciting things that are going on. He's just like, this will make perfect material for my manga. I'm just going to tear whole pages out of your face so you lose those memories, and then I'm going to put them in my manga. Ah, it's all been a big trick. This was really an autobiography of him the whole time, yeah. and this is really <laughs> happening in Japan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, he's he's a really creepy boy. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it sounds he sounds like a real winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the end of the first arc is kind of where we get agency to where the actual plot is going. Uh, so there is a cursed alley, and they meet a ghost who says. There's a darkness over Morio Cho. There's a serial killer who's been running rampant for 15 years. He killed me. You guys should find out who he is and bring him to justice. Okay. Okay, so we got a we got a serial killer plot now. That's good. I like it. So, the the second act is finding this serial killer who is the best villain in JoJo's, uh Yoshikage Kira. Uh he is kind of your typical serial killer um like he's think Hannibal Lecter but he looks like David Bowie and doesn't eat people he just um he just uh kills women and holds onto their hands and dates them for a while that's real that's real real creepy and I don't like that my David Bowie is (laughs) is brought into that mess (laughs) look it is real creepy it's also really fun and he is probably the most well he is a human but he is the most human villain in jojos he doesn't have a he doesn't have a plan all he wants to do is just like live out a peaceful life doing what he wants doing what he's doing which is admittedly murdering people <laughs> but he just wants to be uninterrupted okay i mean look that's not a great villain motivation, but okay. Creepy dude wants to just be able to kill a f- kill a person. Okay. Well, the reason no, the I can't get behind like it. This it guy is, is nuts. because it is. It's so low key. Everything about JoJo's is super over the top and like flamboyant. This guy just wants to remain a normal human. He has urges that are murderous. But he's still a human, and they just really play up like how just how human he is. I just really like how he's written. Okay, I I can dig a human a human character like that. Is is like maybe not with the murders. That's that's a bit much. <laughs> well, murders is fine. It's just the obsession with hands. Yeah, that's a that is a bit weird. <laughs> So, like I say, the the second arc is basically tracking down Yoshikage Kira and bringing him to justice, uh, which they almost do, but there is a salon uh, in the town of Moriocho, which is uh, owned by a stand user whose stand ability is to take parts of a person's body, replace them with other parts either like better like more beautiful envisioned parts or the parts of another person um which in itself super creepy uh but he basically escapes to this place and gets him gets her rather to swap his body for someone else 
and then kill that person and then escape. Okay. I mean, look, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> also, speaking of cool, if you like your queen references, uh, his stand is called Killer Queen, and it has the ability to turn anything into a bomb. Okay, I'm on board. I'm back on board. Right? Yeah. And it just oh, it has so many Kaboom. cool uses. It's brilliant. Uh, the the thing that I really love that they play up occasionally, like the horror angle of this part, is that he can choose like what parts explode. So if you like touch something that he has, he's charged with his stand's ability. For example, and this is the most obvious example, he blows everything up, removes all the evidence, and just keeps your hand. <laughs> he's a creepy dude. Oh, this dude does not deserve that cool of a power. <laughs> talking about that's just creepy and wasted on him <laughs> uh, so so we jump into the third and final act which is again it, it's a dual narrative which i really love um the heroes are trying to find out where kira went to kira is trying to assume his new life as this person who he um who he stole the body of and he finds out he has a wife and kid, uh, and basically like tries to settle in and be normal. Um, yeah, a again, if you want creepy stuff, there's a lot of creepy stuff here. <laughs> okay, well, we we like this does sound like a real fun, a real fun volume, especially after the last one. Um, but we do need to start moving along, so. Tell me what happens when they finally find him, because I'm assuming they finally do get catch up to him. Yes, uh, and I, I I would try to be as short with this as possible, even though it is one of the coolest things. Okay, so Kira gets hit with the Stand Arrow again, um, which unlocks a new ability, which is the ability to implant a bomb on his son, who has found out his identity, and our heroes have found out the identity of the son, Plants a bomb in him so that if he ever reveals Kira's name or people start asking questions, the charge of the bomb will transfer into people who is asking, blow them up, and then reverse time 24 hours. Well, a number of hours that he chooses, rather. Because every time this happens, like, the kid goes off to school, he runs into someone of the heroes group, blows them up, returns to that morning. And only the kid has memory of it happening. Okay, that's... Okay, creepy. Yep, yep. Cool, I like it. So the... So, walking by. <laughs> so yeah, the kid manages to um, kind of use Kira's arrogance against him into revealing his name to the heroes who are close by, even though he didn't notice them. Uh, and then a fight happens, which is essentially two... Uh, a delinquent and a businessman trying to hide from each other in a, like, suburban district. Eventually the fight spills out and everyone converges on Kira to kill him. And then we see the, uh, the same page kind of drawings as him reversing time uh, like, back to a safe state. Like, he triggers the ability and is lost forever. And then we notice that he's appeared in the alley with the ghost. And then we get a lovely, lovely karmic moment of the ghost saying, 
Oh, you don't remember that you died. Cool. Let me just show you how you died. Um, and then now you're going to be taken away by the spirits forever, where you can never have peace. That's that's a good ending for him. It's super rad, and I love it. <laughs> and I'm sorry it took so long. No, that's, that's real good. That's real, real good. <laughs> Um, so we're going to, we're going to stop our, our first episode here. Um, this is a good stopping point. We've covered three. Uh, we have two more volumes that we're going to cover next week. Um, so Joe, where can people find you on the internet? The easiest way to find me is I'm always on Twitter, uh, posting dumb things, uh, at the Joe Hadfield. Uh, and if you've enjoyed me subjecting, uh, a poor defenseless, person to dumb things that come out of japan i also do a podcast with my friend travis uh which is wtf anime we come out every week with us watching an episode of an anime and uh travis for the most part is despairing and we record it and that's wtf anime uh on podbean or you can hit us up on twitter at wtf anime show yeah it's uh it is definitely a good show and worth a listen um all right so Joe, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks again for having me. It was uh, <laughs> super fun. Um, I love JoJo's. I'm not sure if that came across like at all. <laughs> well, we'll continue this talk next week. You can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review, or maybe tell a friend. Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Rosevere and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. (laughs) 